Hi, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. Phil, Logan, and John today on episode number 150. We're going to talk old tools and tools that need a little TLC and what to do when you're exposed to really nice tools and you're just not sure what that means for your future. Uh, We also have a free plan for you, so you want to stick around for that. Uh, Today's podcast is brought to you by Tightbond. You want a glue that you can trust, and fortunately, Tightbond has the glue you need to get the job done with confidence. From interior glues with strong initial tack and short clamp time, to exterior glues with exceptional strength and water resistance, look to Tightbond, the right glue for your next project. For more information, visit tightbond.com. Now, our last episode was with our special guest, Kevin Scott. He's the CTO mm-hmm. over at Microsoft, little little technology company you may have heard of. Yeah, start, they're basically and, a startup, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, basically a startup. So just a handful of comments from that one. Looks like some people were missing the plans link for that one. We can put that up there. It's also on the show notes page. And uh, Walt writes, my manual labor father encouraged me to become a software engineer too. 30 years of coding later, I woke up and was weak, diabetic, 270 pounds, and had a vitamin D deficiency. Now, six years later, I'm a woodworker looking to quit my desk job, 220, and not so weak anymore. There you go. Lean and mean. Mm -hmm. Yep. And Rolf also says, this was a very interesting segment, good show. It's kind of fun to have some different people on there just to have a, mm-hmm. a different perspective on woodworking. So there you go. Yeah, this is my first uh, podcast in a month, guys. Did anybody ask wow. about me? Did anybody mention no. me? No? Wow. Pro- people have. I'm sure they have. Okay. Those yeah. comments just get deleted by YouTube just because of... Right. It's just too many of them, probably. Too many, it's yeah. Just flooded. It's like, we get it. John wasn't there. Yep. Well, proof of life. I'm here. Yep. Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, uh, Logan, you had a demonstration out at the Omaha Woodworkers yeah. last night? Yep. Went and hung out with the Omaha Woodworkers Guild last night. So, got jumped on an early flight from Nashville back to Des Moines and jumped in my truck and drove out there. Um Got there a little early. I usually, when I go out there, I meet um, several of the guys from the club for dinner and a couple beers beforehand um, because there are no power tools involved. So uh, so I got there a little early, so I hit one of the uh, flea markets in town that I know, and I picked up a couple oh. things. Yeah, picked oh, up yeah. a couple things there, and then um, did a demo on molding planes. So that was fun. Kind of mirrored... Uh, the woodsmith seminar I did last month. So a lot of the same info. Kind of covered complex molders, covered hollows and rounds, covered sharpening of them, a little bit of side bead action. Um, And yeah, so just before we started recording, I just finished putting all the planes back away. So because the question, because I think one thing that I've discovered when talking with folk about hand tools and I think really comes into play with something like molding planes is people think that it's got to be like all or nothing 
Like either either you're getting the full set of hollows and rounds and all of your molding is all done with hand tools or you're buying out the back half of the Lee Valley router bit catalog. Or like mixing them up too, where you'd have, you know, because I think I got from you or we had like a big box of rando wood planes for a while, um, a pretty large round that you can use to make a large cove profile or to clean up a large cove profile and then hit it with at the bottom edge, like a routed OG or an Ovalo or something like that, where you're, where you're kind of mixing and matching what you're able to do. Cause I have that, uh, that steamer trunk project that I'm working on. I, the, the outside, cause I want it to have that kind of rounded bent wood look to it. So the outside I could hit with a big round over bit for doing what I needed to do. The inside, I didn't want it to be just square. So I cut a rabbit in there just to remove most of the material. And then I grabbed that large round that I have and hollowed out the inside of those long, I don't know, runners or corner pieces on there just to give it that give it the shape that I was looking for. And really it was the best way to do it because, you know, we do have, you know, when you get like big cove bits for routers, that's a lot of metal spinning. And mm -hmm. it's a, it's a weird sound and it makes me feel real tingly in my fingertips that I just don't want to, don't want to mess with it too much. So but yeah, watching Chris do those mortise. Now, granted, it was some vegan woodworking because right. we were making this bench out of cypress. Yeah, the pine of the swamp. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. So he had laid them out and just with a chisel and a mallet, just kind of went to town. They were what one and three quarter inch square, about yeah, by one inch something deep. Like that. Yeah, one inch deep. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he just, he went at it. He has a certain authority with the way that he uses the chisels that way. Cause he was, he's got that one motion practiced where it's like chop, chop, and then flicking it out. Yep. So he just flicks those chips out as part of his, I don't know, chopping motion. It's just. Yeah. It was super cool. Whereas I feel like whenever I do that sort of thing, it's like three separate motor motions where it's chopping down and then wiggling the chisel yeah. out and then, and then trying to pry the piece out. And no, he was. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same way that maybe I'm trying too hard. Like I'm trying to like overpower the wood where he's just kind of like, you know, finesses it and flicks out the chips and moves to right. the next layer. And yeah. And he got all done and it fit perfectly. And it's like, I don't know. Yeah. He does what he does. Yep. He be Chris. So, yep. so. it's super cool. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's got to be more of an article or video topics in it, but it's just like all the things that you can do with a chisel. And then when it comes time to doing the videos, I just never think of it, mm -hmm. but like watching Chris do that kind of work yep. in an expert fashion is super cool. Maybe we'll have to get the TV guys to edit out that section 
and just have some straight up video of Chris mortising with a chisel and then we do some new voiceover with it to mm -hmm. Cause there's yeah. definitely a technique to it that a technique that he's got going on there. So yeah, it's almost a law, a lost art form. Right. At least to me anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So, so speaking of old tools, I have been kind of on an old tool kick myself. Was that a reference to Chris? Is that what <laughs> yes. that was? Yeah. Okay. Was. <laughs> that's, wow. that's kind of, that's kind of where Thinly I took veiled. that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So we had around here, uh, I picked up a dado plane, mm -hmm. kind of like a molding plane, except that it just cuts square profiles. Mm -hmm. And this one has some issues with it in the sense that, uh, so a dado plane, kind of like a rabbiting plane, but, and kind of like the unholy offspring of a rabbiting plane and a plow plane in that the blade on it, I'm holding it up for all of our people watching on the radio has a skewed iron in it has a depth stop on one side that's adjusted with a knob. I'll put a photo of it on the show notes page. And then what makes it a dado plane specifically is a blade ahead of the main iron that, scores the sides of the cut knickers this is it's a single iron but the wedge for that um for the knickers is missing so i'm gonna have to make a new wedge for it uh, and i don't know where you guys stand this plane looks a little filthy it's yep. got some age to it which is fine but I'm going to clean it up. I'm going to do it for an article for shop notes. New, one of the new issues of shop notes. There you can see my eye right through the little rabbit <laughs> mouth there. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I think it would be fun to use. The only thing is that this one's a seven eighths dado plane, which yep. is it's handy, but it's not, you know, I think a three quarter or five eighths would be, more appropriate because then that would work with more commonly available materials, you know. However, with a thickness planer or a bandsaw for resawing, I can make seven eighths material and use it for dados on stuff like that. So, I have a seven eighths tonguing plane for you as well. <laughs> so, wow, in case, you want to, in case you want to be weird about it <laughs> for some yes. extra thick floorboards. That's, that's right. Or extra thick backs for something. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'm kind of excited about fixing that up and having it look nice. Uh, I'm probably more of a clean it back to more bare wood kind of a person. Than, then leave the grime. Then leave the grime. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I like get... it with like an aged color to it, but the one the ones that look like they just came out of the La Brea tar pits is just a little, yeah. mm -hmm. it's a little too much for me. I mean, you can kind of see those ones behind me and like, those two are the ones I just picked up. They're nice and clean. Right. The rest of them, like, I don't know how this happened, but there's a large section of those that are matched and I don't know how it happened. I have like nine hollows and rounds that are all from the same brand and then almost all my side beads are all the same brand as well. Oh, oh yeah, hollowed around. Yeah, I don't know how I did wow. that. I must, I must have ordered them at some point. 
Maybe. But those are those have a different hue to them, and I think they're I think they're um, I think they're older. I think they're English. I think they came from an English auction, um, but they have a different look to them. And I'm afraid of cleaning them up is going to make them like super light, like <laughs> those guys, and then it's they're going to lose some of their charm. But you're right. I generally like to clean them up and get them to look as nice as possible. Yeah. Um, but with some of those being pretty old, you know, some of my my first hollows, my first match set of hollows rounds I bought, I got from Jim Bodie Tools, and those are um, Benjamin Froggett, B R F R O G A T T. And he made planes from 1785 to 1816. So that those planes range in that 1785 to 1816 range. Like that is like a 30 year, 31 year span. Um, and I, I don't want to touch them because they're awesome. So yeah, yeah. I think you should arrange your planes in behind you for the background is like an ombre where it's just like I, going from yeah. light to dark. I, say, I, didn't really... th- I didn't think about that until I leaned back. And I'm like, oh, that could be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's like those people that uh, organize the apps on their phone by color. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sociopaths. That's what we call those. <laughs> so now l- let me ask you this, Phil. Does getting a new tool, so you have a data plane. Right. If you ended up with a nice modern metal body data plane that worked flawlessly, would it knock down the desire to use and clean up that one in your head? Um... Probably okay. it would. Because I know that we have, I think we actually have a Stanley over there, yeah. three-quarter inch dado plane, Yep, the metal ones. Um, I go back and forth sometimes on that, on how much I like the metal planes versus wood-bodied planes. Mm-hmm. And I kind of hate myself for being that fickle on stuff. Because mm-hmm. like, I have a couple of nice metal planes and i love them mm-hmm. and then there's other times you know like i've been using you guys have seen it around here this japanese yep plane that has been kicking around we've told the sordid story of that plane many times on the podcast and i've come to come to love it understand what its quirks are and we have a we have a, a mutual respect for each other now so in that sense, there is a a fun quality to the simplicity of a wood plane. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Um, I'd like to say that it d- wouldn't change my view of the dado plane because I would want to fix it up and hopefully find a home for it that is not yep. a Cracker Barrel. Yep. So I think it would, I guess it would also depend. Like if this was a three-quarter inch dado plane wood dado plane that would really change it and i think i would probably stick with the wood one at that point yeah see now i asked this because i recently i haven't shown you guys this yet but um my buddy rusty that just did a an article in pop wood on building spokeshaves made me a little beautiful ebony one and this thing i'm not kidding you is insane um it uses the 
this uses the Lee Valley or the Hawk Blade. Sorry, this uses the Hawk Blade, and this thing is. I mean, it takes an insane shaving. And then I started looking through some of my other spoke shaves. I'm like, I got this King Cutter one. Mm-hmm. Works okay. It needs a little bit of love. I have no desire to clean this up now. Now that I have a Chernus <laughs> spoke shave, so it's like I kind of feel bad, but I don't feel bad. I like this beautiful shave, but it's kind of. Changes my priorities when I get a new tool. Right. Yeah. It definitely puts, you know, would kick it down the the list of when it would get redone, probably in my book too. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I've I made a wood bodied spoke shave with the Lee Valley kit, the small blade kit, yeah. and that that's super fun, and I really like it. Yep. I, mean, I, I happen to have another hawk blade here. So. Oh, see, there you go. Yeah. But hmm. make a make a spoke shave for the with some of that Kentucky coffee tree that you got. I don't think it's hard enough. Rusty was telling me that this ebony's not going to last very long. Oh yeah, it's too soft. Well, you could inlay a piece of brass in the front, like that's what I did with. Well, that's what they yeah. do with the Lee Valley one. Usually on those ones, he he inlays boxwood. So I happen to know somebody that has a lot of boxwood laying around. See, there you go. Or just make it out of boxwood. Yeah, yeah. So I might make a, new, make a second one out of boxwood. Or what is it, the that hand tool book that Taunton Press did a number of years ago with Garrett Hack? I think he did one where he put in a toe piece of, like, antler or something like that. You could do that. I have I have something that might work. Hold on. Go find this. Today's podcast is brought to you by Tightbond. You want a glue that you can trust, and fortunately, Tightbond has the glue you need to get the job done with confidence. From interior glues with strong initial tack and short clamp time to exterior glues with exceptional strength and water resistance, look to Tightbond, the right glue for your next project. For more information, visit Tightbond. Dot com. I found it. All right. So I could use this. All right. What do you got? This is hippo ivory. Okay. And I had no idea what to use it for. But that might be kind of cool. I have two halves of it. Cool. Um, it's not super thick. I mean, you can see kind right. of the... The thickness on it might be three-eighths of an inch in the thickest parts, but it quickly goes down to nothing. Yeah. So that might be kind but of But if you fun. think about how long how long that blade isn't very long, so you'd be able no. to get And it's not like you'd need a super thick piece anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. That may be kind of cool. Be the first hoity-toity fancy hippo bone or hippo ivory inlaid mm-hmm. spoke shave. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah, I've also noticed that once people find out that you're a woodworker with a with an interest in hand tools, that hand tools find you. Yes, that's what I tell my wife. I have not bought any of these; they just find their way to me. <laughs> I mean, there are some that we purchase because we just can't stand to see them not Go. hang around. But yep. it's like. Hey, 
and it usually ends up being some distantly unrelated person too. Yep. Or it's like my brother-in-law's father-in-law. Yeah, exactly. He's like, he does a lot of stuff at flea markets and auctions and stuff like that. And he got this big box of old hand tools because he knew that you liked hand tools. And how much would yeah. you want to pay for these? And, and here are a bunch of wrenches. That... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so in a similar vein, although on a little bit more practical side, uh, over Christmas break, I was uh, with my parents and my dad handed me a draw knife and asked if I wanted it. Yep. And I was at the time in my head real quick, I was thinking, I got a draw knife that I kind of like because I've sharpened it up and it feels good in my hand or whatever. And out loud, what I said was, sure, I'll take it. Mm -hmm. And what I liked about it at the time and still do like about it is that compared to my other draw knife, this one has a much narrower blade. My other one is probably almost twice as wide. Yeah. So I'll put a photo of this on the show notes page as well. Yeah. It's kind of like that bad boy. Yep. Which isn't, there's nothing wrong with that. This one's a pretty no. straight knife too. Even the back, because yeah, like a, yours has a smile, yep. has a curve to it. This one has yeah. a little bit of a curve, but not much. Uh, the front, the cutting edge needed some help, so I had to do quite a bit of work to get the back flat and then the the bevel taken care of. So, but now that I have, it's it's a sweet draw knife. And I'm going to get rid of the other one. So yeah. Well, one of the it's things... funny. Oh, go ahead. Well, one of the things to go along with it, though, is my other draw knife I had made a leather sheath for. So I wanted something for this one. So I saw this on Peter Galbert's blog from like 10 years ago or something. So it's like a wood mm -hmm. backer, about three eighths thick for the bottom layer that I used a router plane to hollow out a shape for the blade to sit in. Again, this will be all on the show notes page too. So that the blade sits in there. And then the upper layer I did like about 3 sixteenths thick and then cut, hand cut a sliding tapered dovetail to cover over the blade and then a little pinhole for a uh, just to secure it, which was, it's fun. I, yeah. Totally unnecessary. Don't need to do it, but we're also woodworkers who enjoy using with shit. and tinkering with tools. Yeah. So we just, it's a sickness. Well, and that, that kind of goes along with what I was going to say. is like, I got this one. The same person I got all that, the big box of molding planes that I found after I filled up my shelf. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. This draw knife came from that same gentleman. Um, from the same gentleman's shop, he had passed away. Um, and I've been looking for one of these folding ones for a right. while, right? Like I, I like the fact that you could fold it up, throw it in a toolbox, and the edge is is pretty much protected. Right. This is a Fulton brand. Okay. Fulton. If I see a Fulton hand plane, it gets kicked into the garbage generally they're junk they're not very good some of the fulton stuff is okay the fulton chisels are actually pretty decent steel this appears to be pretty decent steel however 
the dumb thing is, I don't know if you can see, but like those handles are all chewed up from folding. They hit the blade. Like what the heck? And oh yeah. And the the posts that the blades pivot on are like square carriage bolts, so it it locks open like right there. Oh, yeah. And then it locks closed, but it locks closed like a quarter inch into the blade. I don't I don't get it. So I've been this has been on my like two fix pile for myself, not not to sell, but this has been like into my in my two fix pile for myself. I want to see because it has those steel end caps on the handles. I want to see if I can grind those off, get the wood handle to slide off. I'll turn two new handles, but then I'll cut a groove in them so Mm. it goes over the blade. That would be cool. Um, And I'm wondering if I'm I'm probably going to try it. I mean, this thing's dumb the way it is, so I can't make it any dumber, I don't think. Right. Um, So, yeah, I... I kind of somehow my like to fix pile ended up on my workbench. I don't know why because I don't, <laughs> don't have time right now to fix them. But it's like I right. I also ended up with a bunch of these um, English style shoulder planes. From, oh yeah, yeah. Um, from there's a, auctions and stuff. And they have just again see, and that's the thing is like I like wooden planes, super awesome. Yep. And then you get something like that, and good. there is a delight yeah. to the eye of those things. Those are lovely. So what I started to do was I was like, I wonder how easily that infill will come out. And turns out that infill comes out real easy. Pretty easy. Wow, yeah, it's not so, peened in or anything? No. So Oh, because that's just, a cast body. Yeah. So this whole thing just sits in there. And I'm like, you know how sexy this thing would be if I stuffed it full of boxwood? Like, that would be cool. So I did that to both of these. And then I got two little... Two of these little chariot planes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So like little racing guys. This one actually has uh, Cupid's bow. Oh, bridge nice. on it. Um, these need a little more attention. Not, eh, maybe that's not the right way to put it. The blades on these are not the right blades for these planes. Oh. So um, this one is a James Howard Castile Sheffield. Um, okay. This blade is like, it's... Super pitted, super short and stubby, not the right width. It's about a half inch too narrow. Both of them are about a half inch too narrow. So it's almost like I need to get some O1 tool steel, which I have some, but it's not wide enough. But I need to get some thick O1 tool steel, make new blades for these things. Probably take, like, these are ebony wedges, I think. They're either ebony or rosewood. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think they're probably ebony. Um, Yeah, this one's rosewood for sure. Um, but make new edges for them. And because once I add a blade in a new blade, that's thicker, um, that wedge is not going to sit right in there anyways. Yeah. So I want to sexify these planes. Right. Uh, One of them looks like it's missing a bun, right? It, it is. And to be honest with you, it doesn't even look like it really ever even had a bun in there. Hmm. Like there's nothing in there to, sh- to look like it had a glued in bun or anything. Um, so, and neither one of these are even actually marked with a maker at all. Um, so they may have been user made. I don't think so because they're cast. Um, but anyways, yeah, yeah, I don't know how these all, like I ended up with these little projects sitting on my bench. I just don't, I got other stuff I need to do, other priorities, but man, I sure do like fixing them up. Now I, I like... There is, I talked about 
does having one of those or having a new tool kind of negate the desire to clean them up? Like, I don't know if I showed this miter plane on the podcast at all. Um, no, I don't think so. Tomas Linnaeus from Spain made this for me. Um, it weighs about seven pounds. This thing's phenomenal. Like, I was having a blast yesterday showing guys this at the uh, the demo because I would take a, a big swipe of shavings and then I just throw it and it's light enough shaving that would just static to somebody's shirt. <laughs> it was awesome. Like, this is an amazing tool. Um, having this, which is a miter plane, kind of like these chariot planes, right? Like, right. very, very similar. Yep. yep. Doesn't It doesn't negate my desire to fix these up at all. Like, I don't know. I don't know why, but it doesn't. Um, yeah. My spoke shave, I'm like, eh, screw the wood body spoke shave. I don't want to mess with that. Um, yeah. But maybe it's just because they're a hand plane thing. I don't know. I, uh, I have problems. My problems are tools. Yeah. So. Yep. But they're fun to do, especially if you can, yeah. I mean, if you've been woodworking for any length of time there's really nothing in an old tool wood or metal that you can't deal with for yeah, the most part. Correct. Yep. Cause I was looking up some articles on and some content on rehabbing some of the, like the dado plane. And I, mm -hmm. there were several places where it was like, um, you know, cause that dado plane is missing the front wedge. And it's like, if it's yep. missing the front wedge, then you're just kind of out of luck because it's missing a wedge. And I'm like, um, make one. When the plane was made originally, it didn't have a wedge, and somehow mm -hmm. a wedge got made for it. So weird. Yeah, feels like I'd be able to make a wood wedge. Mm-hmm. So, so that's kind of bizarre. Like I get, you know, some people it's just not their thing to fix up old tools and to spend the time on it. They want to be doing something else. Totally cool. Yeah. Yep. I like doing it, and there's a lot of times where, you know, and I think you've been this way too, is you kind of get a wild hair about a tool, fix yeah. or make one, <laughs> yep. and then you use it a little bit, and you're like, ah, it doesn't really fit yeah. my workflow. And then, you know, most of the time, I'll just give them away. You know, there's yep. usually somebody that I know that could use it or... Um, even if they end up giving it to somebody else, like it's now there's a better tool out in the world that mm -hmm. somebody's going to be able to use. So, yeah, like I know that you have it as a little bit of a side hustle. So there's a different computation yes. as to whether you're going to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, when I need to pour concrete on my patio, I'm probably cleaning this up and sell them to pay for my concrete <laughs> on my patio. <laughs> it's, this is my this is my investment. This is my stock investment. It's here. <laughs> it's, right. Yeah. You know what I can uh, make with all these molding planes? A concrete patio. That's right. No, that's and that's kind of how. I mean, I've I've mentioned it before on the podcast. That's how I paid for like my, my Lee Nielsen stuff. That's how I paid for my uh, saw stop. Like, I didn't just go to my wife and say, "Hey, sweetie, I need some money out of our family checking account." It's more like, okay, I can buy these, flip them make make money to to put towards you know kind of pull away and, and put towards something else um, so that's right. how i've and that's why i bought a lot of these like a lot of these english style ones these infill ones are actually um i bought them at auction and you can't get them here in the states for the most part like you can but they're going to be pretty expensive 
which is kind of what I'm banking on. Like I'll fix them up, clean them up, make them look nice. Um, one or two of them, I might have them ground so they're flat. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's just a different thing. I, I haven't sold a lot of stuff lately. I do have a, I, I've ended up with a bunch of bedrock style planes. And it all started with, um, we had one of our listeners, maybe our listener, maybe he listened, he might've, might've been my, um, plane rehab seminar I did, but he reached out to me and said, Hey, I got these two planes, you know, what, tell me what you think they're worth. And I, I told him one of them was a, a Stanley bedrock 603. And I told him, I was like, listen, um, you know, that's, I had one of those. I sold it. I regret it ever since. If you were going to use planes, keep it because it's a fantastic plane. Um, and he actually sent it to me. Oh, um, wow. So, yeah. So I have that one. Um, he's like, hey. He's like, thanks for your help, man. Here you go. This is yours. My gift to you. I'm like, cool. I won't I won't sell that plane. So then right. I'm like, well, shoot. Now I have a 603 that I'm not. I mean, I, won't, I don't sell gifts. So, like, if it's gifted to me, I'm going to keep it. So that plane yeah. I'm going to keep and use. Um, but then I'm like, ooh. That 603 needs a big brother, like a 606. So I ended up with a <laughs> 606 somehow. And I'm like, oh, you know what would really be cool is if I could go from a 603 to a 606 with a 604 and a 605. <laughs> it's like, no, bad Logan. I need to start wearing like a, a shot collar that like you guys have the remote too. My <laughs> wife has the remote too. So when I get wild hairs, then people can just set me straight. Yep. So... On a related note to old tools, and I think you kind of turned me on to this, is like what to do with the the finish on an old tool. So, for example, that yeah. draw knife that I had earlier, um, it was like you can tell from the steel on it that it had been it lived a life of loneliness for a while, mm -hmm. and the handles were all gunked up, and because it looks like the handles are. I want to say oak because it's an open grain wood on it, but it might not be oak. You know, it might be, mm -hmm. you know, ash, ash or, or yeah. chestnut or something like that. You yeah. know, something that's got a, just has that open grain look to it. So I took my card scraper to it and scraped off all the gunk down to bare wood, so to speak. Like it's, it's not pristine from the sawmill bare wood. It still has some aged color to it. And then, uh, to protect it and uh, and then also to protect that sh uh, cover that I made for it, I used some of the Alfie Shine, mm -hmm. which uh, is genius stuff because I think we had a bunch of cans in here because we used it in an article or something. You yep. referenced it in an article. This is the original, which like this could be a candle. It in smells like opinion. potpourri. Like it smells it's, like it smells like great grandma potpourri, but in the best way possible. Right. Yeah. Like like you walk into your great grandma's house, you're like, oh, what's that steak? It smells like great grandma. But secretly, you're like, oh, it kind of smells nice. Yeah. It's That's how this stuff is. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. this it's, one, uh, gonna gotta get my old man glasses on here. I don't think it says what's in it, but I think the it smell does. comes from. Does it? Yeah. Because it says contains beeswax, carnauba wax, yep. copal, which I had to look up what copal was, which yeah, is a is. it's a resin. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. So it's like a, 
almost in the same sense of like what amber is. Yep. You know, where it's an ancient, uh, like coniferous tree resin that's hardened mm -hmm. over time, but you can yeah. soften it up with a solvent. It also has frankincense, myrrh, mm -hmm. olive oil, cinnamon oil, and clove oil in it. Yep. And the copal is really nice because once you put that on, so it's not a straight up wax. No. Where, you know, like a wax finish, while super nice, I really like just putting on some beeswax on stuff, has a good finish to it. Um, having the copal in it with that resin, once that hardens, it's just, it's, and even with the carnauba wax in there, which is a harder wax, like it's tougher than that, but it doesn't have mm -hmm. a, it's still not like a, you know, like a wiping varnish or anything. It's, yeah. it's softer than that. It's just a delight. It yeah. feels really good to the hand. It's fun. It's good to apply. And I've kind of been leaning more towards some of those more simpler finishes mm -hmm. on stuff. So, yeah. Yep. I'm a big fan of Alpha Shine. So they, they make a food grade one too that has no smell. Yeah. So. And they have a, is that the one where it's just unscented? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So get thee to the Amazons and buy yourself a tin of it or two. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. They had a shortage for a while. And the funny part is, is it, you see it in a can like this because you see like a paste wax can and they're big. And this yes, is more like shoe shine tin. And you're like, that's not going to go very the... far, but it does. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, just there's... a dabble. Do you? There's plenty of it on Amazon, it looks like. Okay. Um, and the closest thing I would say to it is Renaissance Wax. Okay. But Renaissance Wax is definitely a solvent-based wax. It's it's very stanky. Yeah. So, not, not like in a bad, in like a good, like, it smells like gasoline stanky. Not like a bad, I smell like mineral spirits. Stanky. Right, right. It's not like Gary, Indiana smell. <laughs> no, it's more. No. Yeah. Yep. So. That's funny. I did pick up a, I'm sitting here looking at my camera. I picked up, so that's a big giant James Swan chisel. That's a bar okay. chisel. I, I did pick up, I don't have it close at hand. I, at the same, I walked by it. And I'm like, if I find something else to buy, I'll come back and get it. But I'm not going to pick up this one buck chisel for no reason. It's this giant freaking like inch and three quarter wide firmer chisel. That's like the blades, like, I don't know, 10 inches long. It's just heavy. Holy cow. Um, yeah. yeah. It's a buck one. Um, it was just very pretty. So I grabbed mm -hmm. it. <laughs> so, I mean, it was like, it was one of those, it was like eight bucks. And I'm like, ah, I could sell it for 20 if I want to, but Maybe I'm just going to become a tool collector. There you go. Maybe maybe that maybe that'd solve all my problems. Just embrace what I am. And stop denying it. So, but I do. I mean, like there's to an element to let, it. Yeah, I like to I like to let stuff find a better home. Yeah. So. Cool. All right, well, if you have any old tools or if you have a proclivity for old tools or a special category of tool even that you're 
really into. I'd like to know about it. You can send us an email, woodsmith at woodsmith.com, or you can leave a comment on our YouTube channel where you can see some of the things that we're going to talk about. I'll put a photos of some of the stuff that we've been showing here on our show notes page at uh, woodsmith.com slash podcasts. Uh, also, today's free plan or the episode's free plan totally unrelated to old tools is for storing saw blades. This is a cool little rack. It's almost like a little filing cabinet for saw blades because especially with your table saw, you know, we have one around here where it's like you just end up with a bunch of blades and you want a way to be able to organize them and keep them safe. And this thing does it in a really, really fun way. So uh, I'll put a link to it on the show notes page and on our YouTube page as well once this episode goes up. So otherwise, we will see you next time, everybody. Thanks again to Tightbond for sponsoring this episode. Uh, it's the glue I've always been woodworking with. Uh, ever since my dad had me in his shop and we built projects together, Tightbond was the glue that was there, and I love it. We use it on the show, not only because they're a sponsor. We use they're a sponsor because we use it on the show, and we use it in the shop all the time. Uh, you want to check out all their different types of glue, whether it's the original two or three, kind of the big three there, or kind of our new favorite is their Speed Set, which uh, is has a really strong, fast setup time. So if you got to get something done, uh, this is the glue for you. So thanks to Typebond. Check them out, typebond.com. We'll see you next week, everybody. Bye.